You are listening to the Crosspoint Fellowship Podcast. This series is called Celebrity, where we're taking a look at who Jesus is today and how he gives us instant access to where we don't belong. So, I thought I'd start by telling you a little bit about myself. Uh, my name is Paul Huft. I am married, although you wouldn't tell by my wife's presence this morning. Uh, she had a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Once-in-a-lifetime being her words, not mine. She got to go see Cher in concert last night. Uh, completely free. So apparently that's a once in a lifetime opportunity. Um, I, I would pay not to see Sharon concerts, but hey, that's just how we're different. And uh, my wife is really good at wrestling my two-year-old little girl, who by the way is absolutely adorable. Like you have cute children here, I noticed, but no offense, she's way better looking. Um, I'm probably, you know, a little bit biased, but uh, she couldn't be here because she's two and she's crazy and I can't wrestle her and wrestle this. Um, so a little bit about myself. I grew up in Springfield, um, born in Kansas City. I'm a huge Chiefs fan, like a ridiculously passionate, not right Chiefs fan. I love the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, love any other type of sports. I'm the type of guy who stays up to like 3 a.m. to watch curling during the Olympics because <laughs> that's a good usage of your time you have in life. Um, so I'm that guy. Another thing about me as we get started is that I love movies. I love all kinds of movies with the exception of horror films, which I do not love. Okay. I don't quite understand why people love those so much. Uh, they are, are designed to give you anxiety, designed to make you feel awful and scared. And at my weight, we call that a heart attack. So I tend to stay away from those if at all possible. Any big moviegoers in the house? Yeah, I like this. Shout them. Yeah, you are not. Are you kidding me? You put both those hands down. That was awful. What are, what are the last movies you guys have seen? Shout them out. Sharknado. Sharknado? Was it good? Did you cry? I Man. <laughs> Nerd alert. <laughs> Nerd alert. <laughs> saying, you know, but, it's all right. It's cool. I've got friends who cried too. I haven't seen it, so I'll probably cry well, as well. Uh, my cry is more of a no tear, straight face. Oh, yeah. I cry really manly. I don't, <laughs> I don't have tears. I work out. <laughs> right. Real men cry. Really. Yeah, hey, I hear you. Okay, so those are, that's good. I, I mean, I suppose. We love movies, right? And we love movies for all sorts of reasons whatever those may be. Uh, for one, we find them entertaining. I hope so. It's the entertainment industry. The film industry made $35 billion last year. $35 billion last year in 2013 alone. Um, so we love our entertainment here in the U.S. Another reason that we love movies is because they take us away, right? Just for a little bit of time, for the one and a half to two and a half to three hours, depending on if you're watching Titanic or not, that takes us away from our lives, and just for a little bit, we get an escape. We get to be somewhere else. We get to deal with something else. We don't have to think about all our problems, and so we love movies for that reason. We also love movies because they teach us something, or at least they strive to. Like, that's the movie at, at its greatest peak is that it's teaching us something. It's making us think. Maybe it affirms uh, thoughts and beliefs we already have. Maybe it's making us think about new ones, and so we love movies for that reason. Uh, we love movies because they inspire us. Sometimes they inspire us to act, to get involved in our community, uh, just depending on you know what movie that may be. 
Um, Happy Gilmore probably doesn't, you know, <laughs> inspire you to get involved in your community as much as some others, but certain films do that. We love the romance. We love the comedy. We love the story within. We love that. We love movies. One of the types of stories that we love the most are stories of sacrifice, right? There's something about sacrifice that really draws us in. Something about somebody giving up themselves, giving up their lives to meet the needs of others that speaks to us. Maybe it's because we don't see it happen that often. I mean, if you, if you think about it, we really don't see it happen that often. People are so wrapped up in themselves and what they've got going on that they don't take the time to look around and see the needs of others and sacrifice what they need or want for someone else. We imagine ourselves being in these characters' places, right? Playing the hero, being, being the person who comes through in the end in the clutch and gets the job done, and we love that. We want to be that person, and so maybe we imagine ourselves in their situation. Maybe it's because we don't see it happen that much in real life. And it's just something so different about it that it draws us in. I really don't know. The thing, though, about these movies, the thing about these stories of sacrifice is they're just that. They're stories. They're movies, right? They're actors playing roles that are scripted. And all throughout, they're doing everything they're supposed to do because the script tells them to do that. So it's not real sacrifice. The actions that perform, they perform, I mean, down to the, I trip here, I sigh here, I cry here, it's all in the script. And they have to fulfill that role. But it's all make-believe. It's a great story, don't get me wrong. Their sacrifice makes a great story, but it's just that, it's a story. Real-life sacrifice, however, it's extraordinary. Okay, it's extraordinary. And it's what we're talking about today. Specifically, we're looking at Jesus' sacrifice, which happened roughly 2,000 years ago. And that's the main question today. That's what we are asking. What, if anything, what, if anything, is important to you today about Christ's sacrifice then? Hebrews chapter 9 sort of answers that question for us. Now, the first 21 verses of it, I know you guys have had a reading plan. You've kind of been reading along, hopefully. The first 21 verses of Hebrews chapter 9 uh, do two things. First, they give us the blueprints for the temple. And while that's not unimportant, it's not of very much interest to us. The second thing it does is explain that in biblical times, sacrifices were given to obtain the forgiveness of sin. And it tells us two things about these sacrifices. One, that animal sacrifices were given, and they were imperfect. And two, that Christ gave himself up as a sacrifice, and his was perfect. He was perfect. Now, the first thing I want us to understand, point one, if you will, is that sacrifice serves a purpose. That's a constant, right? Think about that. That's an always thing. No one sacrifices without reason. We don't just think, I'll do without this because I'll do without it. We always have a reason behind the things that we do. No difference with sacrifice. For his latest film, The Dallas Buyers Club, uh, Matthew McConaughey played uh, Ron Woodruff. Anybody see that movie? It's kind of heavy. I'm sure it's probably a little bit uh, what some of us would deem inappropriate, and so maybe we didn't see that. But he, he plays an electrician by the name of Ron Woodruff, who also happens to be a hustler. Now, I would love to see that business card because I'm not quite sure how that plays out. Uh, but what he did, he helped AIDS patients get medication that they desperately needed after he 
was diagnosed with AIDS himself. Now, he did this illegally. In order to play this part, Matthew McConaughey lost 47 pounds in five months. Okay, now he's roughly six foot tall, before weighed about 215 pounds. So he lost 47 pounds. And I'm giving you permission right now because I know some of you are using your electronics and some of you are on the internet anyways to look up a before and after picture of Matthew McConaughey because it's gross. So if you want to do that, please do it. Much was made of McConaughey's sacrifice. Right? His sacrifice. He made such a great sacrifice. Now my first thought is, congratulations, you ate like 85% of the world outside the U.S., I mean, first world problems, am I right? Like, we call that such a great sacrifice. But it was a sacrifice to him, and he did sacrifice with purpose. Firstly, he was playing an AIDS patient. He needed to look sick. He needed to look like an AIDS patient. He wanted the role to be believable. He wanted to be respected for the movie, respected for the role. He wanted people to admire him for what he was doing. So he lost the weight with purpose. And he won an Oscar. That's like the pinnacle for an actor. Every actor wants to win an Oscar. It says that this year you were the greatest at what you did in this role. And he won that Oscar. So I assume, I suppose that it paid off. Now we all make sacrifices in our life. And as I said, we don't sacrifice without reason. Hebrews 9.22 tells us that according to the law, all things are cleansed with blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. And in this, we see the reason behind Christ's sacrifice. The purpose behind Christ's sacrifice was to give us and show us forgiveness. First and foremost, Christ sacrificed his life for us because it had to be done. Now look there, it says that there is no forgiveness without the shedding of blood. He had to sacrifice. A sacrifice had to be made. Secondly, Christ sacrificed because of his obedience in Matthew 26, 39, Christ prays, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, Lord, but as you will. If this is what you want me to do, then I'm going to do it. But hey, if it can be taken away, if I don't have to do this, but I'm going to listen. And God loves the human race so much, each and every individual so much, that he asked his son for the unthinkable, and Christ obeyed. The third purpose that Christ sacrificed was to offer us life. See, Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Moving on, Matthew 9.12 and 13 states that it's not the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. The final purpose for Christ's sacrifice was to be our replacement. See, because without Christ's sacrifice, there has to be atonement for sins, there has to be payment for sins, and then that falls on us. But his desire was not that we die ourselves, it was to show us mercy. Without his actions, his fate would have been our fate. Without his death... It would have been our death. This is affirmed to us in John 13, 17, when he tells us that, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. His desire wasn't that we be condemned, but that we find salvation. We're the sick, we're the condemned. 
See, the only thing that separates someone who has a personal relationship with Christ and someone who doesn't, a non-fan from a fan of Christ, is Christ. That's it. It's Christ. We're all broken. We all screw up. Even after we come into relationship with Christ and experience salvation, we still sin afterwards. I don't know if there's anybody in here that's been perfect since that point in your life, but if you are, let me know how it's done. Right? I mean, think about that. It's just, it doesn't happen that way. We're better than no one. Sometimes Christians walk around like this big pride badge is on their te- chest. I'm a Christian. And we act like we're better than everybody else. And we walk around with our nose in the air. And we look down upon people who act differently than we do. Act in a way that we deem unfit or uncivilized or immature or whatever it may be. When the fact of the matter is that the only thing that separates us and them is the grace of God. It's His sacrifice. We've experienced grace and that's the difference. Christ is the difference. His sacrifice made the difference. And that's why He is great by sacrifice. Sacrifice serves a purpose. Our second point, Christ's sacrifice was a powerful one. We see this fact all through Hebrews 9, 22 through 28. Okay, in verse 23, Christ's sacrifice is noticed as being a better one, better than the sacrifices of old, better than animal sacrifices, more pure, more powerful, having the power to redeem the things of heaven. In verse 25, we're told that Christ's sacrifice was good once and for all. See, before this, people had to offer all the time. Priests had to offer yearly for the sins of their people. But people themselves had to offer sacrifices, sometimes monthly, sometimes weekly, sometimes daily, if they saw fit. But Christ came, and once and for all, he took care of that. Verse 26 tells us that Christ alone did away with sin forever. No other sacrifice has been able to do what Christ's sacrifice has done. No other one. Verse 28 reaffirms both claims to us. It states that Christ sacrificed, Christ sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. Now this was and is revolutionary. It completely changed the, we, the way people saw forgiveness. Christ's sacrifice didn't just bring forgiveness. It brought hope. It wasn't this thing that had to be repeated. It was one act for all time. Hebrews 9, 13, and 14 tells us that the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremony, ceremonial, oh, wow, ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciousness from acts that lead to death so that we may serve a living God? In short, what they're saying is that these animal sacrifices that were once offered, they sufficed. Meaning that they kind of held God's appetite for the need of retribution for sins. But they were just a stopgap. And when Christ came, and when he offered himself an unblemished sacrifice, a perfect sacrifice, we experience forgiveness once and for all. All we have to do is take that and accept that. It keeps you and I from facing certain death. It gives you and I new life. Hebrews 7, 26 and 27 states, Jesus meets our need for one who is holy, blameless, pure, and perfect. 
meaning that he wasn't a screw-up. He was exalted above the heavens. And unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once and for all when he offered himself. Are we starting to see a theme here? Starting to understand that there was perfection sacrificed for imperfection. Perfection sacrificed for imperfection. And in this holds true power. 1 Peter 2.24 says that he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds we are healed. Christ took our sins and he buried them right alongside him. And all that junk that he conquered... All those things that weigh us down, those things we struggle with, our past that hold us down, Christ conquered that so that we too can conquer that. All those things that have control in our lives, our past, they don't have to haunt us. They don't have to control us because Christ brought freedom along with forgiveness. That's why he's great by sacrifice. John 3.16 tells us that God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that anyone who believes in him shall not perish so they won't die but that they have everlasting life. Now, the only problem with John 3.16 is that people kind of turn their ears off when it's being read because it's been used so much that it's almost become cliche, right? When we become Christians, it's like the verse they use if they're sharing their faith. It's the first verse they teach us and so we get so used to it that we just ramble it off without thinking about what it really entails, what it really means to us. But we have to fight that because there is so much power in John 3.16 and there is so much hope. There is forgiveness. Everyone is offered the opportunity for forgiveness. Everyone. Meaning that there are no boundaries. And the only way for Christ's sacrifice to be offered to everyone is that if it could cover every single wrongdoing ever committed, every single mistake, every single action, Christ paid for it all, every single thing. His sacrifice is powerful enough to cover you, to cover me, to cover anyone you know. I want to tell a story right now that goes right alongside with this. Uh, about a young man I know, when he was 15, he, became, he came to know Christ. 15 years old. And it, he experienced a real conversion. He'll admit to that. But he didn't quite understand that being a Christian wasn't about being served, but about serving. And so when he was called to serve and felt God place a call in his life, he ran in the complete opposite direction. He got involved in all sorts of things that he shouldn't have. Uh, big into parties, loved alcohol, loved weed, uh, cared about those things, cared about himself more than anything else, didn't worry about uh, his actions affecting others, didn't worry about other people at all. It was just all him. And as he went through high school, he got more and more involved in this stuff. He was drinking every chance he got. He was using drugs every chance he got. He started to treat women a way that they should never be treated. They were objects for his personal pleasure and not somebody's baby girl. And he didn't care about that. 
He cared about three things he'll admit to. He cared about football. He cared about alcohol, weed, prescriptions, and he cared about girls. But only so long as they served him. His senior year playing football, he broke his back. And for the first time in his life, he didn't have football, um, which was what he probably cared about most. And so drugs and alcohol took the place even that. They became the very biggest thing in his life. Mistreated his friends. He mistreated his family. He talked to people disrespectfully. Um, He was an awful human being. I would not have wanted to have been friends with him. Ever. That young man was me. That was me. And I did so much bad, so much harm to who Christ is and what it means to be a Christian that I'll never know that it, I may be able to do enough good to make up for that. Does that make sense? Like, I don't know if I can make the scales balance out. But fortunately for me, that's not how Christ thinks. It's not how God thinks. God came to offer forgiveness even for that. And I'll have people in my life, people that I was awful to, people that I was mean to that may never forgive me for what I did. And I don't blame them. But no matter what I did, no matter how bad it got, no matter how bad I was, Christ sacrificed, redeemed that. He redeemed that. And I was able to do a complete 180 once I finally understood that Christ was powerful enough to forgive even me. And so you may come to me and you may say, well, what about... I'm telling you today, it doesn't matter. Fill in the blank with anything that you want and it doesn't matter because Christ's sacrifice was great. It was greater. He is great by sacrifice. It's that sacrifice that pays for all sin, pays for all wrong. And anything you've done, anything anyone has done that you know of, it's all forgiven. All they have to do is to reach out to Christ and to say, I screwed up. I need you. Simple as that. Finally, we need to understand that Christ's sacrifice was a lasting one. Hebrews 9, 25, and 26 states that Christ didn't have to enter heaven to offer himself again and again the way a high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood that is not his own. Otherwise, Christ would have to offer many times since the creation of the world. But he has appeared once and for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Once and for all. Four very powerful words. Think about all other sacrifices don't end in once and for all. I mean, if we take it back to McConaughey, all right, all right, all right. He, his sac, yeah, it was awful, I know, I'm sorry. I tried for something, it failed. We'll move past, pretend it didn't happen. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, that was awful. Okay, sorry, back to the focus of what I'm trying to say here. He wasn't the first actor to lose a bunch of weight for a role was not the first. He certainly won't be the last. And yes, it paid off in the fact that he won an Oscar, but in two years, except for movie buffs and movie nerds, everybody's going to forget about that. Everybody will have forgotten. Christ's sacrifice, it's eternal. Not just a blip on the radar. 
good for all time, for the culmination of ages, for all things, forever. Hebrews 10.10 agrees and it states that we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Christ Jesus once and for all. John 15.13 tells us that there's no greater love than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You know, the closest thing that I could compare it to is if I was to take a bullet for one of you, right? Somebody comes in here shooting, I play hero, I dive out, I take the bullet, you live, I die. But guess what? Tomorrow, if somebody wants to shoot you and I'm not there, no one's there to jump in front of you, you're dead. So yes, my sacrifice was special. And yes, I gave my life. But it wasn't lasting. It saved you for that moment in time. Christ's salvation is lasting. It's forever. It's good for more than just that moment in time. It doesn't end. You know, priests had to offer every single year. Christ did not. Christ's sacrifice was a lasting one. As we come to our time of reflection, Christ sacrificed with purpose. That purpose was so that you and I could find forgiveness. Christ's sacrifice was powerful, meaning that it's powerful enough to cover anyone for anything for all times. Christ's sacrifice was a lasting one. It truly is good for all time. Once and for all. Once and for all. Christ was great by sacrifice. I told you today that we would answer the question, what, if anything, is important to you about Christ's sacrifice today? The truth of the matter is I can't answer that question for you. Now, Scripture shows us that His sacrifice is still relevant, shows us that it's powerful enough, shows us that He loves every single person enough to offer it for each and every one of you. But only you can answer that question. Only you can speak to what Christ's sacrifice means to you. And so we need to reflect on that. Now, as the band comes up and they get ready to play our invitation, there's really three things you uh, can do with today's message. One, you can realize that I haven't accepted that sacrifice that Christ has made for me. And you can at least come have a conversation with some of us that will be in the back about what it can mean, what the first steps to coming to know Christ are. Another thing you can do is come and, and become a member of this church. I know that they would love to have you. And if you feel called to do that today, then Let's take care of that as well. Final thing you can do is recommit yourself, understanding that I did experience salvation, but I really maybe haven't been living like it. I haven't been living up to par with what God expects from me, and so I just want to commit myself to doing that. And maybe you have something you need to pray about, something to get off your chest. I'll be back there, and I guarantee you that I'm the perfect person to come to. Because one, there will be no judgment. Two, you may never see me again because they may hate what I did today and never invite me back ever. So if you have something that you want to share, something that you need to get off your chest, come see me. Because I promise I won't be talking to anybody about it and you won't have to feel embarrassed if you ever see me again. 
And if you see me in Walmart, you can pretend you don't know me and it won't hurt my feelings. All right? Christ is great by sacrifice. What you do with that sacrifice is really up to you. It's offered. Take it. Dear Lord, we come to you today. We thank you so much for who you are and what you mean to us, Lord, knowing that you are great by sacrifice, knowing that, God, you gave your son for us, imperfect human beings. And Lord, we don't see the value in imperfection. We don't understand uh, why somebody could love something that's broken. But Lord, I'm so glad that you are better than us, that you love us anyways, that you bring forgiveness for all the wrong we've done, all the stupid things that maybe embarrass us, uh, the past that we've had that maybe we can't quite seem to shake. Lord, you've forgiven it and you've forgotten it, Lord. Jesus, you are great by sacrifice. You are the greatest of your day then. You should be the greatest of our day now. Lord, as we reflect on what you've done for us, I just pray that we come to you with open hearts. We come to you ready to listen. We come to you ready to obey. Speak to us in this time, Lord. Show us what it is that you need from us. We love you, and in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Crosspoint Fellowship Podcast. You can find us on the web at cpf.me.